This is a Peach Pit Media production. What's going on? This is Mindful Mostly. It's the lifestyle and wellness show for those of us who are mindful most of the time. I'm Andrea. Today on the show, which is the second last show of the season, by the way, is international best-selling author of love. It's how I manifest. And the creator of the authentic program series, Mandy Morris, is here. Yeah, we're going to talk about how to reopen the beautiful parts of you. What being authentic is actually all about, because that word is thrown around a lot these days. The house on the hill syndrome, we're going to talk about that. Light versus heavy. How you can start over at any moment. Shifting your current state tweaking what you already have, and the science behind manifesting. Not bad, right? That's why this one is a bit of a longer episode, but I promise it's 100% worth it. So like I said, it's the second last episode of the season. And have you been gearing up for the holidays? I laid real low this weekend. I actually watched a classic the movie, He's Just Not That Into You. And like when you go back and you watch a lot of your old favorite movies, you realize just how bad they are. It only came out 10 years ago, but it seems like a lot longer than that because there's three things that I noticed about the movie, okay? Bradley Cooper had the worst frosted tips. Like when you you look at Wikipedia of frosted tips, I hope— Bradley Cooper and He's Just Not That Into You comes up because, man, I remember thinking he was so hot in that movie. I realized how typical his frosted tips were and also that he must have gotten hair implants because you've seen A Star is Born or you've seen the previews. How much hair does he have? I would kill for Bradley Cooper's hair. That can't all be real. The other thing I realized in that movie is that every single woman was a damsel in distress and inevitably waiting for a guy to come save them. Drew Barrymore? Yep. ScarJo? Yeah. Jennifer Aniston? Check. Jennifer Goodwin? Yes. I know there were so many people in that movie. And number three, the other annoying thing I realized about He's Just Not That Into You. Low-rise jeans. I feel like it was an advertisement for low-rise jeans. Every time I would see them, I would, like, twitch because I was just reminded of how bad the low-rise jean was for every single woman on this planet. (laughs) Unless you were Brittany in Slave for You, they didn't work, okay? And even then, she would have looked better in a fitted mom jean. See, and this comes from a woman who wears strictly high-rise, and if you don't believe me, listen to the last episode where I broadcasted from my closet surrounded by piles of mom jeans. Okay, one last thing before we start. I realized that I kind of fell off the manifesting train lately. How about you? Okay, if you want to get back in check, you've got to get your hands on the High Vibe 5. I'm telling you, this is such a handy tool. It's five minutes of manifesting, visualization, breath work, affirmations, all in five minutes. And it's totally free. 
to get your hands on it, all you have to do is leave a review for the Mindful Mostly podcast on iTunes, then take a super quick screenshot of it and email it to me at andrea at mindfulmostly.com, and I will send you back the high vibe five. All right. Let's talk to Mandy Morris. Do you feel like you're living your most authentic life right now? I am. And let me tell you, everything about my life prior to this was not. And so I saw, you know, uh, and this is the thing, that word authenticity gets thrown around so much that it's diluted itself. Kind of like the word manifestation, it sounds so woo-woo. But when you really break it down, everyone has their own kind of belief or definition of it. And so with authenticity, it was really the word that I could kind of umbrella how people were getting back to kind of the core of who they were, but more so seeing how they released that pain or released the things that weren't them and why it was so important, why it was so impactful to be yourself. We've kind of moved into this world or this new kind of, I say consciousness, but this understanding that people have that sense where you can tell if someone's genuine or not. And if we really want to get somewhere as, you know, the human race, but also just as individuals in our life, authenticity is literally the easiest key in getting there. Hmm. So you mean you, you didn't feel that way before what, so what changed? Yeah, not at all. Um, you know, our childhood programming and life and my own traumas kind of built me into be this people pleaser. Um, and I was told that I was too much. I'm too emotional. I'm, you know, I can't stick to anything. And so the beautiful parts of us, we start to shut down and say, well, there's something wrong with us. And so then I chose people, relationships, friends, realities that, solidified that, that would concrete that belief of there's something wrong with me. So I need to be somebody else. And it was exhausting and it led to so much pain, so many bad choices in my life. And I didn't know, I literally didn't know who I was when someone's like, well, how do you be authentic? Because you think that certain things are actually you because you've literally kind of walked the walk for so long. You don't even know what's yours anymore. And when you start breaking away from all that and getting to that true essence, you're like, oh my gosh, this is why life wasn't working for me for so long because I was living someone else's reality or, you know, what the world told me and not honoring myself and what I really came, you know, to this planet with. A hundred percent. Because we all, sometimes I think we all struggle with, okay, do I want this or, or just like society telling me I want this. Like it's hard to determine <laughs> what you actually want sometimes. Like let's say you're striving for a bigger position at work and then you realize once you get it like, oh, wait, um, I actually have no spare time now. I'm stressed. I'm not <laughs> sleeping as much. This wasn't what I wanted. Yeah, it's like the house on the hill syndrome. That's what I call it. Everybody wants the house on the hill, but they really don't. Because sometimes you get to the house on the hill and you're like, crap, I want more, or this isn't what I actually thought it was going to be. So really what everyone's trying to get to is an emotional state. And again, based on the things that we've been told in life, we think that if we get this thing that's outside of us, or we achieve this perfect relationship or make this amount of money or whatever, that everything's going to fall into place. And then we get there and realize, obviously that's not the case, but that's just because we were striving for this emotional state that can be achieved right now versus once we have something external coming in. It literally, that stupid saying, like it starts from within, is so true. It's literally so true once you break down the science and the psychology of it. Um, I think that a lot of women listening to this podcast are sort of in a stage where, you know, you went to school, you figured out what your job was going to be, you started doing it, 
and you know things have been flowing for a few years and then you're like oh wait like I feel like I'm missing something and I'm saying professionally relationships whatever it is um the, a lot of us are in that stage now where we feel like we need a shift and maybe that stage never goes away like will I be feeling that when I'm 50 I don't know but I think this is really good timing to be talking to because it's definitely top of mind for a lot of women. How, and I know this is a broad question, but what are some of the steps that we can take to being more authentic right now? Oh, I love this question. A million things are immediately running through my mind, of course. So the first thing that comes to me is really like breaking down, you know, sometimes we tackle the things that we don't like in life first, right? So if I look at any areas of my life that I don't like. And let's say, um, I don't like my career and, you know, asking the why question, you like a seven-year-old, you ask why, 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 until you get to the root of like, Oh, well, it's because I feel unworthy or because my mom said so, or whatever that is. But that area of life that you don't like, let's say it's like career. So then you take a belief and actions inventory in those areas. And what that really means is, okay, what do I, cause we'll say, what do you believe about love? Let's say, and they're like, Oh, love is beautiful. Love is awesome. And really, Every relationship they've had has fallen apart or, you know, the beliefs and the actions don't actually coincide. So sometimes we have to start with actions and be like, okay, based on the reality, what would my beliefs probably be? Well, love is unsafe or money is really hard to make or I don't deserve, you know, the career that I really want. And so once you have those actions, you can see the beliefs. And I do this. It's really simple, but I call it love versus fear or light versus heavy. And really that what that means is like, when I think about something, it could be something simple, like should I go downstairs and make a cup of tea or should I go for a walk? Which one feels lighter? Which one feels like it's coming more from love? And we can do that with our beliefs of is love really unsafe or is love something that I have to work on or you know, whatever the belief is. And you choose that one that truly feels lighter in life. And that can be decisions. If you look back on areas of your life, how many times did you make decisions from fear? Well, of course they end up not working out or they implode because it came from this really negative and low vibrational state versus this authentic and true core essence. So when someone's looking at, well, how do I become authentic? You retap into your intuition. Intuition is literally something that we physiologically have. We've totally muted it out with society and programming, but intuition guides us through, of course, finding that authenticity, but actually knowing in each moment what life is really supposed to be for us or what we can choose to move towards that emotional state that we're really trying to get to consistently. Because I can't tell you how many women I speak to and they're, you know, 55 and they're like, I wish I would have known these things, you know, when I was 20 or I'm too old and it's not going to, you know, work now. And I'm like, first of all, 55 is nowhere near old, but more than anything else, you can start, you can start over at any moment. And we forget that we think, well, this is the concept of finality. It's this way, which means it's going to be this way forever. If life sucks today, it's going to suck for the rest of my life. But that's not true, which is great for many reasons, neuroplasticity in the brain. Thank God for that. But also (laughs) that we can literally reshape our lives in a moment by shifting our state or, you know, if you want to say it more woo woo, by shifting that vibration towards our authentic self, which is really just finding the things that make us feel light, that make us feel centered in our soul. And what are the things that make us, I'm still on career here. What if the things that make us feel centered and like we're doing our soul's work, um, you you can't pay your rent? <laughs> yes. I hear that one a lot. Like, I want to do my purpose word, but how? So I usually break it down to rules. So if I'm like, okay, like originally years ago, I was like, there's no way 
that I can help the world feel more love and make money doing it. So I'll do it on the side and I'll work my corporate job. And something felt so out of alignment with it because I go into that corporate setting and be like, I have to put on a mask every day or I'm freaking miserable and I don't like the way that I feel. And this is just, this is, there's no way that this is it, right? And I was like, how do I get to that state? I've seen some people do it, so few in my mind. Really, there's many, many people on the planet doing this. But how do I live my true essence? And a lot of it is rules. So if we start having rules of, well, I also have to make this amount of money while I'm doing my purpose work. So we have all these rules around what sustaining ourselves really has to look like. And that's based, again, on our programming or what the world told us it has to look like. So we build all of these rules that that contradict one another that we can't even take the first step in seeing what the universe really has to unfold for us or really what our authentic self knows is already taken care of because we're so stuck in that place of fear of these rules that we kind of built ourselves around that maybe at one point even served us, but that no longer apply as we're ready to step into more purposeful work. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that movie? I think it's called Wanderlust with Jennifer Aniston and Paul Rudd. I haven't. I'm so bad with movies. <laughs> okay, you should totally watch it. If, it's, <laughs> if that's even the title of it, I might have just butchered it. But they leave their jobs in New York City where they realize they're miserable. And on their way to, I don't know, L.A., they they end up joining a commune. And it's just hilarious and makes me think of kind of what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we think, oh, I'm going to go and do some purposeful work and we're really just escaping all over again. Like, exactly. I would love to live in a tree house and be like, I'm just in a tree house loving on the world. But really, I'm like totally running away from my my most authentic self or my real life that I, I want because it's too scary. So we totally. have to like keep the balance too, right? I think people think of an authentic life as meaning that you don't need to wear shoes anymore and you like you, <laughs> you can like let your natural waves hang down and you never have to put on work clothes. But authenticness doesn't mean necessarily even leaving a corporate job. Like it could be stepping into something at your corporate job or or uh, start starting to do different fun things in your relationship. Like it could just be like tweaking what you already have. Absolutely. Because that changes the trajectory. Sometimes we're like, oh, well, it has to look this way or I have to go so, you know, far off into left field. And you're right. Like, again, it's not outside of us. So if we're thinking that if we quit our job that everything's going to be solved, well, I can be the first one to say that that's not the case. I can't leave enough relationships or run away from enough things to all of a sudden create the peace. It's starting from within. And the external really kind of molds and shifts and shakes to meet that. And if that means that the job is supposed to fall away, that's cool. But I don't start with that. So... One thing I always like to do to simplify it is like if someone's when someone's done listening to this podcast, what can they do on like a piece of paper, almost like a pros cons list to find their more authentic self? Like, do they write this is what I feel? This is who I feel I am and what I stand for. And how would they break that down? Yeah. So kind of going back to that belief inventory. So if you look at and sometimes it's good to do it like in each area. So maybe I used to write career on one page relationship on one page, even love on another, because love can be like family and all that jazz. And then I'd break it down. Okay. So career, what's my belief inventory? I used to have this belief. This was before I ever started my company, before I was, you know, doing any of this, this incredible purpose work and actually feeling fulfilled. And I thought that if I wanted to make a lot of money and be successful and provide for my family, that I needed to work like 14 hours a day, and I'd never be home for my family and I wouldn't be able to wake up when I wanted and drink my coffee slowly and, you know, be fit and go to the gym and blah, 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 blah. So I was like, even though I believed that 
in a part of myself, in my conscious mind, I could have that career, all of my beliefs of what that career would look like were completely sabotaging me, making sure I never even got there. So once I was able to see, okay, these are my beliefs, I was able to be like, are these actually true? Are there people on this planet that do wake up when they want to wake up and make a lot of money, that they get to drive their kids to school? And I was like, okay, this isn't true. That might have been my one little pinprick of reality that I was looking through, but that's not an ultimate truth. And so then I'd look at, okay, well, what are my actions or lack of actions really that are sabotaging this new belief that I'm trying to uphold, which is I can have a beautiful career and a beautiful life. And once you have that and you're really just writing it down, it's like a brain dump and no judgment, really, really important. No judgment. Sometimes we're like, we see it all in paper and we're like, crap, I wish I could just shove it back into my head because I don't even want to try and sort through this. So it's got to come from, you know, this place of empowerment And once you see those actions and those beliefs, you can say, okay, do those beliefs, do those actions, get me to that state of lightness. And it's literally just like a yes or no, close your eyes and just feel it before you even logically work it through. What does the intuition say? Do you feel empowered by it? When do you feel most in flow with it? And then if not, if you're like, okay, I'm starting to really catch, and it's about bringing awareness. And so as you've got, you know, this kind of sheet, this piece of paper of all your beliefs and your actions, you can start saying, okay, moving forward, when I do this action, like when I start shutting down mentally, when um, I start thinking about the life I want, I'm going to pattern interrupt it. I'm going to do something that totally throws me out of that loop because the whole idea, and this like goes into the whole idea of like the law of attraction, but also just getting to that authentic space is that our brains are wired certain ways, but they can rewire. And so when I used to do a lot of studies um, clinically, when I would look at people with crazy illnesses that were starting in their brains, our brains fire certain ways, right? And they get really used to firing certain ways, but that can be rewired and they can fire new ways. So when we're trying to create new beliefs or get to our authentic self or live that beautiful life that we want, we can rewire the way our brain fires by looking at our beliefs. And then if it's not working, you literally imagine like in the brain when it's about to fire into you can't have that career and a beautiful life. You're pattern interrupting that thought. And eventually what you're really doing is you're scratching a disc in your brain to where it can't keep firing that way. So all of a sudden you'll literally see people go, I can't have that. Oh, I actually can have that life. And that shifts literally the energy of the body and of the mind and what we're sending outwardly. And our environment starts to interact with that and life starts to change. And it's, this is literally physics, by the way. It's not just, you know, woo-woo concepts, but it's an actual physics of the energy of our brain and how our bodies interact with our environment. It's really well, cool. Yeah, and I mean, like, you think about people with illness and when it comes to perspective. Uh, easier said than done, but some people have a really positive outlook on whether it's recovery or, um, you know, like, just feeling a bit better. Some people have a different perspective um, where it's all doom and gloom. And like, I feel for those people because I get it. Like I've had chronic pain and I know what it's like to feel somewhat hopeless that you won't get better. But then there's people who you see are told they can never walk again. And then they're running a marathon, you know? And so I know so much of that is physical, but to get to that physical state, it's got to be so much mental and so much about perspective. How do we start shifting our perspective like like you said you you need to interrupt those the negative paths of uh, of I can't do this or I can't have that but how do you actually practice like flexing that muscle yes and i would love to actually share a story with what you were saying um it's called psychosomatic illnesses right so there're things that are created in our thoughts or our brains 
And then, you know, like a lot of autoimmune diseases, um, allosodes, um, some cancer, it, it can actually start in the brain. And obviously some are environmental too. So when I was working, I was actually um, flown to Norway and working with some incredible top scientists over there. And this is really what birthed these beliefs, not, not just a, you know, a random life coaching book. And I would see individuals and I would um, work with individuals who had these psychosomatic illnesses. And I remember um, individuals coming in um, who literally had created things like heart disease or allergies are almost always psychosomatic. Um, and like I said, autoimmune. And I would see that just their thoughts could impact them physically, not just with stress and cortisol over time and their body breaks down, but literally the way that their thoughts would work would cause parts of the body and organs to shut down. And it was through that understanding, because everyone's different. Some people need to be able to feel it, you know, kind of that universal woo-woo of how to reprogram that. And some people need to read a book um, on the psychology of how to rewire that. And some need to understand the physics and the science behind it. And because everyone wants to learn it differently, but really what it's about is looking for proof. I love looking for proof of individuals who have done it and whatever it, you know, is. And I remember when I would sit in that clinic and I would watch people come in and out completely in these states of literally physical pain, but also massive amounts of mental pain. And it really opened my eyes to the perspective shift that this is something like the, the power of the mind, the power of really beliefs, I should say, are so much more powerful than humans realize. But what the most disempowering part is that we forget that we created them and that we can recreate them, that we're all of a sudden victim to them and we're, they're out of our control or they're outside of us. And that's not true. It's literally not true. It's everything manifests from within and exudes outwardly. And when we can understand that at a, a true essence level, we're able to shift out of them because we realize that we're kind of that quote unquote epicenter of our own universe. What was what is your work that I'm pardon my ignorance but other than the book I know that you you do like a lot of coaching but what brought you to Norway like tell me all the things <laughs> yes I would love to so before I did really any coaching um, I was you know going to school I was going to be I was dropped on my PhD actually and I wanted to be um, first a psychiatrist and then I was like nope I don't feel strong about that and then I was like oh therapists have so much red tape I absolutely love therapists I train lots of them um, but there was so much red tape. I was like, I want to be able to hold my client's hand and tell them that I love them if I want to. And I want it to be okay that, that humans can actually connect. And there's not that, that weirdness of why people aren't being healed, why people are sitting in the chair for 15 years and on one issue. And so, um, I was studying this, studying this and years prior, um, I've always been connected to just the craziest, coolest folks who worked in different sectors of the government. Um, uh, we worked with, you know, a lot of royalty, um, Olympian athletes and so forth. And so one of my friends who is a top scientist in Norway, he's like, you know what, come out here and, you know, let's play around with some things here because we're, we are dealing with a lot of psychosomatic illnesses, which again are illnesses that, you know, start through the thought patterns and let's just play around and geek out. And I'm like, awesome. I'm totally down. And so I ended up going there with my husband and we lived in Norway for a while and any time that there was, because there are technologies that can check this, does you know the ailment actually come from um, a physical ailment or is it coming from the thoughts? If it came from the thoughts, then I was called in, and you know we would really we were just doing studies, but it was rapid. Um, a university wanted to end up writing a methodology about this, but what I was doing was really tapping into the intuition, and so we had a machine that could read the thought patterns, you know, of the person, and then I would sit there and I would do what the machine could do 
simultaneously. And what we were finding was that between the machine, because there are, you know, different biofeedback technologies that can rewire thought patterns, um, but I could do them as a human being. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, humans are so powerful. What do you mean? What do you mean you could do them? It's crazy. So basically, let's say that someone has, um, so there was these two boys who came in, twins, one had, and they both had different psychosomatic things going on, but one had an allergy to bees. And so we would sit down um, and hook them up to this different biofeedback machine. You had the little nodes all over them and we're sending um, pulses into them, uh, frequency signatures. I'm trying not to sound too sciencey. <laughs> Bear right. with me, ask questions if I'm not making sense. And we would send frequency signatures into the body and then it responds. And it's through those frequency signatures, um, we can get information. And so, uh, but for some reason, for some miraculous reason, and this was really why I was in Norway doing this work, was that I could do a lot of the things that the machine could do in the sense of, you know, let's say um, we talk about a trauma, because uh, we're trying to figure out where did this illness start? Because it's a belief, right? So did it start during a trauma or did it start, um, you know, in a relationship? Or, and so we're really kind of like floating around with different ideas, And um, for this particular gentleman who had the allergy, his twin um, did not have the allergy to bees. We ended up tracing it back, and this was not a conscious memory at first, that this this boy had, when he was like six or seven years old, him and his twin were in the woods and they were playing and they ran into a beehive and they, they were swarmed. One boy ran back to mom, received comfort. The other boy freaked out, ran further into the woods and was found hours later obviously hadn't been consoled, hadn't received love. So that was kind of the second component of me being like, there's really something to love being a part of a therapeutic process. Uh, And it sounds, again, it sounds so, oh, everything's about love. But no, there's an actual uh, psychology to pouring love into these sessions. So that makes me wonder if then, like, so then once you determined that that was the cause of the psychosomatic illness or reaction to the bee stings, is that reversible? Very. And it's literally, this is actually something that we do in my events all the time. Um, Of course, it's really effective with technology as well, depending on how deep rooted, you know, if it's a really bad trauma or something like that. But if someone's got a belief system of like, you know, money's hard or, um, you know, love is unsafe or something like that. Once we can figure out where did that belief come from, because it's not like they were born with it. Where did the belief come from? You know, what parent or, um, you know, relationship or job really solidified that belief in you, you can get back to that space and you can say, okay, so is this really true? Was that an isolated incident? And it's amazing with these series of questions you can go through how someone starts, literally you can watch them as they shift. Their brain starts like, it's almost like a misfire, but it's really starting to fire properly. And they're like, that, that's not always true. You're right. Or, okay, wait a second. If I had, you know, gone to my, my brother did go to my mom to receive love and he doesn't have it, but I was scared and I spent four hours being really scared. And now I'm deathly allergic to bees. And through that understanding, it's amazing. And this is really about empowering people so that they don't have to always seek external help. Right. But once they see that and they go, this isn't the only way, or this isn't even true. The brain cannot accept a lie. It will only believe what, is, what it perceives, even if it really is a lie. It will perceive what it believes is true. But once you can show the brain that it is, in fact, a lie, 
it can't go with that anymore because the brain is wired for certainty and safety. So it, it literally just starts to shape and shift. That's what I mean by shaping the, the brain and, and refiring it, rewiring it to refire it and moving forward in a different direction, literally of life. Mandy, I'm just having the the best time talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I love geeking out about this stuff. So I really, I am like, <laughs> I am so into this. This is, this is so neat. Um, okay, so something you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation was that um, authenticity and uh, manifestation, manifesting have sort of become words that have been overplayed and, you know, you kind of have to fight an eye roll when someone says manifesting. But that being said, I feel like manifesting totally changed my life. And it's in this super cheesy way that I discovered the secret like 10 years after everybody else did Um, (laughs) and really started just like focusing on my goals and what I wanted. And, you know, I would like to talk about the actual science behind manifesting and, um, you know, with keeping it in, in terms we can all understand. But why is it that it works? Does it work? What are your thoughts on this? Yes, absolutely. Now, it has been painted in such a, a misguiding light that you need to sit and meditate and say affirmations and somehow the universe is going to rain gold on you. And that's really frustrating for people because then they feel like, well, I can't manifest. And so there's one component which is really important, which is to Remember, you are manifesting all the time. You're always creating your reality, whether you like it or not, and whether it's happening consciously or unconsciously. And so if we look at, and I used to study, um, I was like such a nerd studying metaphysics, quantum physics, and just physics in general from one of my friend's fathers, who was this really awesome scientist. And so this was like back when I was maybe 22 to 25, I was really heavy in self-learning this. And I didn't actually apply it to manifestation right away. But when you look at physics, let's say um, like creepy lady walks into the room and you can immediately like feel you're like, I just don't want to get near her. She just feels weird to me. Why is that? Because she is emitting frequencies, literally like a vibration off of her and it's not in harmony with you. And so that's kind of going back to that whole authentic self thing, too, is that there's certain things that literally are a vibrational, quote unquote, match for you and things that are not. And so when you understand that all things are energy and that you can read energy with your intuition or literally with your body, we are these beacons of just vibrations. So if you look at thought, so if we look at how is like matter manifested, how is like physical things created, it's when particles get together and they vibrate at a high enough rate that boom, they eventually become actual matter, matter manifested. But what we're forgetting is that the energy that is exuded into that creation is thought energy. It's what we put into it, which kind of, you know, two steps back is beliefs. So if I'm constantly thinking, um, I'm out of shape, I'm out of shape, I'm out of shape, or uh, I'm never going to find my soulmate, I'm never going to find my soulmate, let's say consciously, I'm like, but I'm trying to manifest it. I'm sitting every day doing my affirmation saying universe, wooga wooga, bring me it. And we're like, why isn't it showing up? It's because there's the subconscious mind that is so powerful and it never shuts off. So you think if maybe 10% of your day, you're consciously saying what you desire, maybe it'll come or maybe it'll come and randomly it disappears. But unconsciously that subconscious mind never turns off and it is always running. So if you don't know what the subconscious is saying, which is probably you're unworthy of love, you're not allowed to have it, dad said so, or whatever, if you literally imagine the energy, 
being sent outwardly from you, a little bit's going into one container, let's say, and that's the, I am worthy of this, or I do want love or whatever. But then there's a whole bunch of thought energy that's also going to, you are not allowed to have it. And this is why. And so that's why we see this split in our realities of some folks who are like tunnel vision, literally all cells are focused on one direction, which is why they get there so fast. It's where they literally like quote unquote bend time. And then there's others who have like the roller coaster experience. They get it, they lose it, they get it, they sabotage it. Or some who just cannot get there whatsoever. It's because they haven't gone into those trenches of their subconscious, which is like how their brain is really firing and rewired it. Okay. So it sounds like to fix anything, we need to find the root of the problem. We need to get down to what our beliefs are. Always. If you can get to the root of something, you will always shift it. And that was something that I really learned in the clinical work that I did. It was amazing what happened when you actually got to the root of a belief. Literally sometimes just addressing the root belief where someone went, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that's where it came from, was enough to release it, release the brain pattern. Wow. Oh my gosh, this has been just <laughs> such a good talk. Man. Thank you so much. <laughs> now, I always like to like pick my guests' brains about like what's going on, like what are you what's your real life like? What are you what are you doing this weekend? <laughs> this weekend, um, we actually have clients flying in. Um, I'm writing a parenting program, Parenting That Heals with this really cool um, neuroscientist and so she's coming in today. So we'll be geeking out with that and then clients arrive tomorrow so that we can rewire their brains. And then so you do these these group uh, like workshops. How, what would you call it? Like they're full out experiences with you where you help people shift. Yes. Um, so I don't do any one on one coaching. It's not really something I've ever done. But um, the workshops have been an amazing way to really touch people and and see them drastically shift. Now I have coaches, you know, who do that. It's very rare that I'm able to um, do my own event just because I'm getting pulled in different directions. But we'll have people fly in. Um, I actually have, you know, one of my coaches, the president of my company here. She's unbelievable. And she uh, is is just like this walking, talking, authentic bomb of truth. And she's really cool. And so she'll run through a lot of these workshops um, all around the world. And that's usually like 20. I don't do more than 30 folks um, just because I'm all about the quality over quantity. And um, we'll rewire their brains. And that's, it looks different every time. There's no format. It's, it's so, it sounds so like intuitive and flowy, but it's really just tapping into the energy and taking, you know, a really a, a psychological approach to rewiring people's biggest pain points. It's so much fun. And there's a huge love bubble and, you know, it just, it feels so cool. It's really unique. It sounds incredible. Um, I I feel a real authenticity in talking to you. Like I'm 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 eased back. Like I feel like you and I would be friends if I lived in Laguna Beach. <laughs> I know. Come have some tea. I have some really good vanilla honey tea that I'm drinking, oh. and I just keep sharing it with everybody. <laughs> that sounds so nice. I've had like five cups of coffee so far. Um, and uh, one last thing I want to ask you because you sort of touched on it. You know when you meet people and you're just immediately drawn to them. Yes. And that's happened with some of my best, best buddies. Um, like, what's up with that? What's the vibration? What's going on there? So usually it's the same thing as finding something in resonance. Now, if someone is living, like, inauthentically, then you'll also attract, you know, like, if I look back at some of my relationships, I'm like, they definitely were not in resonance with me. But there was something that I, I was trying to heal within myself. So we'll also, and I'm just kind of going off on a tangent, but 
we'll sometimes look for things that we're trying to heal or understand within ourselves and other people. So it doesn't automatically mean they need to be our best friend, but there is something to learn with them. Kind of that whole idea of someone comes in your life for a season or whatever that thing is. But other ones, especially like you're saying, like your best friends, those are people who are in deep resonance with you. Maybe it's because your thought patterns are similar um, or your heart centers are literally, you know, vibrating in similar ways. Um, but it really helps to come from that authentic space in creating friendships or creating relationships. Otherwise, it's typically that subconscious or that like programming that's trying to create the relationship. And that's usually where they don't last because there's really something that's, like I said, trying to be healed or figured out or solved within that person or within ourselves. We're just seeing the reflection of it. So that also can create resonance, but obviously not lifelong resonance. Wow. Mandy Morris, it's been so great talking to you. Um, Thanks for coming on the Mindful Mostly podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I mean, how lovely is Mandy Morris? If you want to find out more about her, check out the show notes. I'll have info on her book and her on there, as I always do. Uh, So you guys, one more episode before the season. There might be two. I'll keep you posted, but I'm really excited about next week's because I have the biggest wellness guru crush on this woman. Ruby Warrington is going to be on the show. She is talking about her new book that's coming out called Sober Curious, which is for all of us who sort of float in a gray zone when it comes to your drinking. Like, you've got control over it, you think, but sometimes you're not quite sure. And you rely on it in social situations a little bit more than you probably should. Does any of this sound familiar? Because she talks about it and she talks about her journey in becoming sober curious. Also, she's friends with Gabrielle Bernstein and we talk about what they do when they hang out together. (laughs) It's an episode you don't want to miss with one of the biggest women in the wellness world that is next week on Mindful Mostly. Now, in the meantime, like I said, get your hands On the High Vibe 5, it's a five-minute magnetism session, affirmations, manifesting, all of it in one. So you press play, set it and forget it, and I promise you, you're going to feel better. You do this every day. Your life's going to change if you do. Um, Take a screenshot of your review on iTunes and then send it to me at Andrea at MindfulMostly.com, and I will send you the High Vibe 5 right back. Also, join the community on Instagram at MindfulMostly. I'll talk to you next week.